Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. So I'll tell you what, man, you guys are doing a great job partnering with Jesus, building his church, and even the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Can you imagine that? That's crazy. That's crazy. All right, Father, we thank you for your word. Now that we turn our attention to your word, we ask God that you would, uh, through your word, give us hope, give us nourishment in our spiritual man. Father, I pray that our souls would be open to hearing from you. Lord, if we need healing, give us that healing through your word, God. If we need hope, give us that hope, God. If we need instruction, if we need correction, whatever we might need, God, we're so grateful that we can turn to your word. And Lord, I'm grateful because it's not my words today, but it's going to be your words through me as a vessel, Lord, speaking to every life here today. So open up our hearts, open up our ears, open up our minds, God to be hearers and uh, not just hearers, but doers of your word. God, and I pray for every person in this room, no matter where they're at on their journey of faith, whether they're just beginning or they've been walking with you for a long time, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to all of us individually right where we're at. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand for the reading of the word of the Lord this morning? We're gonna go to the book of Romans chapter 12, and we're gonna be reading verses nine through 18 as we continue this series. And it says this, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. How many of you know that sometimes there's seasons like where you hold fast to what is good? We love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve. Say with me, serve. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute. Say contribute. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Those are two key words. Of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. The list is about to get a little harder. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Thank you, Lord, for your word. You may be seated. Uh, If you know me, you know that I am a big fan of soccer, a.k.a. football. Like, you know. And, and here's the beautiful thing about the real football is that, uh, is this, is that the seasons never end because there are so many leagues, right? And so once the season of a league ends, you just move right on on to the other one. You, see, you American football guys, you guys get some time off, right? You people that like American football, you get some time off. We don't. Soccer is life, right? Which is why half of my budget goes to ESPN, Fubo, and all these other places, right? Uh, but over the years, as I have fallen more and more in love with soccer and watching soccer and understanding the game of soccer, uh, how many of you know that, I've, that, that as you do that, you become a great, what I call, couch coach? You know, the kind of coach that sits on the couch screaming at the television as if they could hear you on the other side. 
You know, some of you watch football and you're, and you're the best uh, recliner coach, right? And you only wake up the boring time that there is finally a touchdown, right? Uh, I'm not trying to offend you, but I am trying to offend you. And, uh, but, but you know, we become these great couch coaches. And I remember a couple of years ago in the uh, World Cup for uh, men, I remember the Argentinian team. There was a moment where Argentina was playing and there's three forwards in the box all alone. The goalie had been out of the box. They have a wide open goal and a wide open net and they go to shoot the ball, and they miss. Now, I remember looking at that and going, okay, you're paid millions of dollars, okay? You have the best athletic directors known to mankind coaching you. You've got custom cleats made for your feet so that in the moment that it matters most, you're paid to do one thing. One thing, and that's to put the ball in the back of the net. So I remember screaming at the TV, and before I know it, I could have made that goal. I could have done it if I was there, right? And if we're not careful, the same thing we're laughing about right now bleeds into how we relate to church. If we're not careful, the same attitude of this couch coach becomes a pew coach where we sit in in the church service and we criticize and we consume and and by the way it's not a bad thing to consume and in fact we hope that you get something out of the assembly and the gathering of the saints and the fellowship and community absolutely but God calls us to not simply be consumers but also contributors And so as we continue on this series of we, as we fill in the blank today, I want to fill in the blank with we contribute. See, God's not called us to simply sit back on our couches, look at how everyone else kind of works for us, and they kind of do everything for us at the table for us, and, and, and we get to sit back and criticize. No, God's calling you and I that we not just consume, but we also become contributors. In fact, just a quick little theological doctrinal lesson for you. The the book of Romans is written by a guy named Paul. And his entire central theme of the book of Romans is this beautiful theme called the gospel. And the gospel is very simply explained like this. A God that loved you and I so much, even when you and I did not deserve it, he gave us his best, even though we hadn't given him our best. But the point that Paul's trying to drive home here in the book of Romans is, hey, church, as a response to the gospel, as a response to this free gift, you are called into movement. You're called into service. You're called into action. And so for the sake of the gospel, if you will, Paul writes, and even the verses leading up to the verses that we read today, it's, he's driving home the point that all of us, say with me, all of us, have a role to play in serving and honoring all people in all arenas, in all spheres of influence. And yeah, you're probably looking at me and going, absolutely, I get it. You're talking about contributing the same month that you're talking about people signing up to serve in kids' church. You're putting two and two together. Here's what I got to say. You're right. But also, I'm calling us 
to a lifestyle because serving and contributing is not what we do, it's who we are. In fact, Paul here, when he is writing and he uses this word honor and honoring one another and seeking to show that honor and that attitude of service, he uses this Greek word that the, the, the opposite of, the Greek, the, of this word honor in Greek is this word atimos, which is to literally dishonor, to treat as common or as ordinary. It criticizes and devalues. For honest haven't we approached the bride of Christ at times with dishonor? Yeah. Yeah. Treating the church and each other like we're just ordinary, common throwaways. Yes. Or we criticize or we take away from its value. Paul's calling us to teamy, to value, to respect, to highly esteem, to treat as, look at this, precious, Beautiful. weighty, or valuable. What would happen if we now begin to look at one another as the bride of Christ and this local church and we begin to go, there is value in each one of us. There is weight to what we do here. And if we say we love Christ but we don't fully in action love His church, then do we love at all? And so, I want to give you how many things today? Three. Three things. As to how we contribute. If you're new, it's just kind of an ongoing joke around here. I always have three points and I barely make it through them. So that just letting you in on the little inside scoop there. Uh, but I use a lot of self-control for service. Your second service, we'll see. Anyway, I'm, no, I'm kidding. I'm going to respect your time. So, so number one, number one, how do, how do we contribute? Number one, we contribute by serving. Romans 12, 10 through 12 says, Love one another with, look at this, brotherly affection. So it's not, it's not just like a concept of love. It's not just empty words. No, no there's, there's something that's actionable behind it. It goes on to say, outdo one another. I love this scripture. Outdo one another. In other words, you want to compete about something, you competitive people out there? No, I can honor you more. You, you want to win at something? When it bringing, bringing people into a place of honor more than they bring you to a place of honor. Right? And it goes on to say, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. There's that word, serve the Lord. We rejoice in hope. We're patient in tribulation. We're constant in prayer. What the writer here is describing is a love that's an action. So... I don't know about you, but I've heard it said that faith without deeds is dead. Have you, have you heard that being said in the church? But do you know the context behind that? Book of James chapter 2, 14 through 17 says it this way. It's, it's beautiful. What good is it then, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? So, for example, if a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Praying for you. Praying you don't stay cold. No, you're hungry. Praying your belly stops aching. Uh, let, me, let me contextualize it to how sometimes we look at the next generation. Oh, this next generation's going to H in a handbasket. We got to just pray for them. How about 
serve them. Yes. How about we pour out our wisdom into the next generation? How about we go, hey, I'm going to stop tapping on the head and telling you how cute it is that I think that you're kind of trying. And instead, I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to pour out my heart. I'm going to be like, hey, here's the, thought, the, the, the wisdom I have fought for. Here, here's some of it. And the writer here, James, actually goes in, y'all. You guys think I'm harsh sometimes? Look at how James writes. Like, he's almost sarcastic. So, like, one of you says, go in peace, be warmed and filled. Without giving them the things, look at this, needed for the body, he goes on to say, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it is dead. And it jumps to verse 26, for as the body... As a body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So how do we do this? We, I want to encourage you, my friend, to look for opportunities. Let me, let me just take you outside of the context of the four walls of this church. Because I know some of you are going, okay, I get it, Tony. You want us to serve around here, right? You mentioned a 10-1 serve one. But, but can I tell you, service is a lifestyle of a believer everywhere they go. Yes. It means I'm looking for opportunities. It looks, at, it looks like this. At my workplace, I'm attentive to how to go above and beyond in serving my coworkers. Yes. It means that in my neighborhood, I'm looking for ways to serve people around me. It looks like, like this, like in my family, to my children, to my spouse, to my extended family. How, where can I be of service? And it says here to, to serve with zeal, not murmuring under our breath, essentially, yes, is what yes. it says. Wow. Oh, Tony and his ideas again. <laughs> now the exterior of the building is a different color. Now we change the gym to this. And now they want us to serve. Gets. That doesn't happen here. That's just a hypothetical. Right? right. We're not called to, to murmuring. We're, we're called to serve with zeal. Yes. Fervent in our spirit, not dragging our feet. Yes. I'm going to tell you something personal because it's the only way I know how to preach. Okay? I can only talk about myself. I'm not going to talk about you. A lot of times people will come up to me and they're like, man, you're so passionate. You're so full of zeal. And you're just, man, you just, you're on fire all the time, right? And then they take it a step further. And they go, I, it must be because of your culture. You know, you fiery Latinos are so passionate, right? And I go, I feel like every culture has a, an excuse as to why they're fiery. Well, I'm just a red-blooded Viking. <laughs> Right? Like, well, my German background was it. Like, and we, we all, all cultures have their reason for being fiery and passionate. Am I right? Like, it, to say my passion, Tony, is because I'm some hot-blooded Latino, is to offend the work of God. Because why? It has nothing to do with your personality, with your culture, or the way you were raised. It has to do with the heart position of, I am so passionate about the things of God. I love his church. I love his people. I love his kingdom that I get to, and I count it a privilege. Hear me on this, church. It's my privilege. It's my honor. 
to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and partner with Him in building and sanctifying His bride. But we've gotten it twisted, haven't we? Like, let's just be honest here for a second. We, we get it twisted. We hear sermons like this, and we go, great. Once a year, Tony preaches on Romans. We get it. And it's a call to action, and, and we do these things, and we get creative. But my friend, my question to you is this. When will our heart position be one of service when the master himself came to, be, to serve and not to be served? So we look for opportunities. And you know what? Looking for opportunities means we actually, it requires our eyes and our ears to be open. Yes, true. Tony, if it's not personality, if it's not culture, if it's not the way I was raised, then what is it? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> where's that fervency? Where's that zealousy supposed to, where, where's that passion supposed to be birthed from? I would venture to say this. Remember the gospel. Paul's entire central theme of the book of Romans is, yo, you were once lost. You needed saving. You needed rescuing. And you've been redeemed. Romans 5, right? It goes on to say, while we were still sinners. Christ dies for. So, so Paul's going out of this understanding of our first love. There's only one thing that we can reasonably respond with. And that is, God, my life is now yours. Use it as you will. Amen. Ephesians 4, 15 to 16 says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Look at this, grow up in every way. In other words, there's maturity here. In every way, into him who is the head. And no maturity in God's eyes is not, look at how much information I know and how long I've been walking with Christ the Lord, my Savior. And the more I walk with him, the less I need of him. In fact, it's the opposite of that. I believe, I venture to say, there's some old saints in the house right now that can tell you the more I walk with him, the more I need him. Come on. So, so maturity doesn't look like this thing. It, it actually, it, this is what maturity looks like. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Look at that. The joints are there to equip the body. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up. How? In love. Yes. Let me say this. Yes, we are called to service. And we can serve anywhere. But there's something that happens when you and I fall in love with the local church and we serve his bride. In Psalms, we read the psalmist literally say, because I've been consumed with the zeal for the house. I don't usually like to um, do these kind of illustrations because at times it can embarrass people. And in other times it can kind of feel like, oh, an insider vibe. And that's not my heart in all this, okay? But um, our AV manager, Danny Hoover, he's in the back there uh, with the backwards hat. You, you probably rarely see him because he's serving back there. Uh, we joke because in our friendship circle and kind of the people that know him well, we joke that Danny's nickname is happy to be here, happy to help. It's Danny happy to be here, happy to help. No matter where he's at, it's Danny happy to be here, happy to help. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? I'm just going 
to give it to you straight. I think some of us could use a little bit of that attitude. I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy to help. Galatians 6.10 calls us to do good to all people. What are you good with? What are you gifted with? Do you have arms to hold babies? Do you have teeth, lips, cheeks to offer a smile? You kind of tend to look at things critically and logistically and maybe you can help with operations. Maybe you're kind of a techie person and, and you like sitting in front of a computer knowing that that's serving other people. And so, 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 so you begin to serve at the tech team. Maybe you're really good at drawing out questions in people. And man, like you don't have all the answers, but you're good at asking questions. So now you find yourself facilitating a rooted class or you facilitate a small group. You, you begin to, to get to know people. Are you an older person who's got wisdom for the next generation? Uh, let me give it to you straight like this. You know, most of you right now are probably running through all of the excuses that you have. I'm glad you left. But in a culture that preaches self-absorbance, in a culture that preaches self-preservation, we will be the kingdom of God culture that practices laying down our lives and serving and living for the sake of others. You know, a lot of you have walked in this building, you see Jesus people overall, and it sounds catchy and it's cool, and you know, you got it on t-shirts, and I'm glad. But as a result of following Jesus, we love and serve people. And because of that, then we get to be carriers of the greatest message of hope for all people. It's not just a cute tagline, it's who we're called to be. And man, can I tell you that there's something beautiful that happens, just as Proverbs says that when I refresh others, I myself am refreshed. Oh man, and your pastor's got to get honest with you today, because I'll tell you, that is fresh for me now. It's been a difficult last two weeks for me. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, it's been hard. I mean, I came up to you last Sunday, I go, I sat in my office, I told God, God, I got nothing. Remember when I said that? And I didn't get fired, thank God, on the week before my one year anniversary? It was risky, y'all. But I'll tell you what. There's something that even just right now, like in the now, not before, like in the now that God is doing in me that is reminding me and refreshing this idea of, man, when I pour my life, when I sit with somebody who's in pain across the room, man, when I go and do a project with them, when I, there's something that allows me to come out of myself and something supernatural happens where I'm refreshed. You should try it. Get around people. Get around somebody. And you want to know how to keep the gospel fresh in your life? Get around new believers. Let me, let me, oh man, I wish I could preach today. Uh, here, do, do this. Get around non-believers. And start preaching the gospel to them in your life and, and testifying. I'll tell you what, that's going to keep some things fresh in you. That's a different sermon for another time. But we know now that, 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 being, that when we refresh others, we ourselves are refreshed. And i got to keep moving here. Why? Because it's better to give than to receive, which leads me to my second point, and that is this. Yes, and we're going to talk about your wallet today, and that is this. We contribute by giving. Come on. We do contribute by giving. Yep. We outdo one another in showing honor. 
Not, we're not slothful in zeal. We're fervent in spirit. We serve the Lord. We rejoice in hope. Patient in tribulation. Constant prayer. And here it is. Contribute to the needs of the saints. That's Romans 12, 10 through 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. You know, contributing. A lot of us expect a lot from a local church and quite frankly, we should. Yet the challenge is... Have we contributed? Now, of course, this church is going to serve you no matter what. But can I challenge you today, if you haven't yet stepped out in faith in the area of giving of your time, giving of your treasure, which is your wallet, giving of your talents. And no, this isn't some weird scheme to like reach in your... God don't need your money. It's His to begin with. But the Word of God is very clear. That our treasure is where our heart's at. Yes. And we can only serve one or two gods. We can serve money or we can serve God. Yes. I don't know about you, but prayer is pretty important in church. Anybody? Yes. 500 verses on prayer in the Bible. Faith is a big deal to Christians. Less than 500 verses in the Bible on faith. Over 2,000 verses on giving and generosity and money. Let me repeat. You can give anywhere, but something happens when you contribute and show generosity in your local church. Yes. His bride, his house. First Chronicles 29.3, one of those beautiful verses. Moreover, in addition to all that I have provided for the holy house, I have a treasure of my own gold and silver. And because of my devotion to the house of my God, I give it to the house of my God. By the way, this is not just a beautiful way to live out your love through the action of generosity, but there's actually huge benefit to your soul in this. Yes. Now, no, I know some of you maybe at this point are like, okay, now this guy's talking about money. Is he going to go into the prosperity gospel? Hey, bring God your 10%. He's going to give you 100000 back, and then we're going to wave a hanky, and if you send it in, we're going to do all... No, none of that. <laughs> but we will not shy away from the fact that God rewards our faithfulness in trusting Him in all areas of our life, including the area of our treasures, our money. And yes, I will do an exhaustive, extensive series on giving, on tithing, alms, offering, all that stuff. But suffice it to say this, can I tell you that my generosity has come to do several things in my life personally. One, it's killed my greed. It's literally the antidote to greed. Living open-handedly has killed my greed. And in a generation, in a culture, it goes, you do you, boo. You store up your treasures. And everyone else can kind of fend for themselves. God's going, I've got a different economy. How else has this affected my life? It's grown my faith like never before. It's allowed me to see God in a different way. Here's what you can experience. You can experience the thrill of God's faithfulness. And they go, oh my Lord, only He could do that. I got more to say, but I'm almost out of time. So in a world and culture that says you do you, look out for you and yours. We're going to be those that live with a generous heart, a generous spirit yes. in our time, in our treasures, in our talent. 
And, and by the way, I do want to balance everything I've just said with absolutely there are, there's room and space for you to benefit from what we have here. In fact, can I tell you, I have benefited from it in the last two weeks. Like because of the community, I've had no lack. Like my family's been well cared for. We've had plenty of hugs. We've had plenty of prayer. We've had a lot of meals, which keep them coming. Seven people, it's a lot to feed, right? Like we haven't lacked it. So there, there's no guilt in you consuming. There's just something that God calls us to beyond just that. And that we now get to contribute. I said it to you before. I'm going to say it to you again. You know, I'm not from Idaho, but I got here as fast as I, I could. Right? Come on, somebody. Help me out. And there's things that, just like you, California, Oregon, Washington people. Come on, somebody. I hear you. You know, some of, all, some of you are refugees here. Okay? I get that. Spiritual refugees. I get it. I'm right there with you. But, here, but here's what I want to get with that is... Some of us were attracted to certain things in the culture of Idaho. Yeah. Family values, this or that. It's now your turn. Hear me on this because it translates to your spiritual walk. It's now our turn to contribute to the very culture we were attracted to. Yeah. You were attracted to our hospitality. You were attracted to the presence-driven worship. You're attracted to the Word of God. You're attracted to the fact that you have value. You're attracted to all of our values here at the church. Yes. I'm calling you now to contribute to those values. Third and final point, my favorite point. You want to know why? Because it's at the heart of Jesus' ministry. We contribute by setting the table. We contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Romans 12, 13. Look at that. Seek to show hospitality. That's the English Standard Version. The New Living Translation says... Always be eager to show hospitality. I want to say it to you this way. Hospitality means I have an open heart and an open home. So I'm open to others. I'm open to the people that don't think like me, don't act like me, weren't raised the same way as me. I'm, I'm open. In fact, hospitality a lot of times, and i got to say this, a lot of times it's confused as a... An excuse, if you will, to just gather with my buddies that we are like-minded and we just hang out. And by the way, that's great. Have that community. Have that closeness. But hospitality in the Bible, more times than not, is referred to as opening up to a stranger. Welcoming, a str welcoming in a stranger. It's not just, hey, my guy, you know you and I are close, so my, my door is always open to you. No, it's, it's to the stranger in need. I knew I was going to get less amens on that one today. <laughs> Practicing what we call radical hospitality means that there's an eagerness. You're almost giddy about it. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to set the table for somebody. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to roll up the sleeves. And so I show up on a Sunday and, and I don't see my role as a door greeter or as a kid or whatever, wherever I serve as just whatever. It's just like I'm excited because it, it's setting an atmosphere and a tone for somebody, hear me, to experience the gospel of Jesus. Right. Yes. So we set the table. We seek to show hospitality. There's an intentionality behind this. Give me five more minutes, so. 
Why are we called to set the table? Can I tell you your home, your heart, and the table that you set can be a place of refuge? Can I tell you it can be a place of celebration? It can be a place of honor for somebody who's never been honored in any way before. A place of acceptance for someone who's been rejected. Does this sound like some of the stories you read about Jesus? Yes. Who is he having at his table? Detestable people. Outcasts. No place in society. I don't know if you get this, y'all. But I think sometimes we approach the Bible when we finally approach it. But that's a different story for another time. I'm not guilty. I'm just... You know, trying to, trying to get you to see some things here. I think we sometimes approach it and it's like, oh, that was then. And I don't know if you've ever like brought it to modern day. What, what, what's a prostitute, a tax collector, all these kinds of people, what, how, what do they look like in modern day? Like what is an orphan and a widow and, and, and the untouchables, the sick did you know that it, if you had certain diseases, you literally weren't welcome? You had to go live over there. And God's going, hey, I've set a table for all y'all. And he's calling us to give them a place of honor. Your table can be a place of growth. Here's one that's near and dear in my heart. It's a place where mourning can safely take place. Where healing can happen. A place where life happens for those that are lonely. And as the word of God says, he brings a lonely into family. Therefore, they experience family. Go ahead and come on up, Soph. The table we're called to set says all are welcome. All have a seat at this table. Uh, I said this to you before. I want to say it again. And I'm going to continue to say it till the cows come home. God's not calling you and I to build taller fences. He's calling us to take the materials and build a longer table and more chairs so more people can have a seat at his table. Like, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a generation where audio adrenaline in the Christian world was it. Come on, somebody help me out. Right? I don't know about you, but, but there was a song Audio Adrenaline used to sing. And it was, he said, my father's house is a big, big house with what? Lots and lots of room. A big, big table with lots and lots of food. A big, big yard where we can play. And you think it's football, but it's football. I don't know if you know this, but that was genius communication. I tied in my first theme. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Let me, let me end with this. Let me end with this. Um, why, is, why is this table so big? Because we welcome others. Right? We welcome everyone. This is why we say we value everyone. This is why it's hope for all. These aren't just cute taglines. This is who we are. Why? Because Titus says we welcome in the stranger. Hebrews says we may be entertaining angels without knowing it. 
Romans says, go, goes on to say that we receive each other the same way Christ received us. First Peter says we offer hospitality without grumbling. Colossians says we do it as unto the Lord. Ephesians says that he's prepared these good works for us. Throughout the Gospels, we read of folks that open their homes and their hearts to Jesus and his disciples. And we read in the book of Acts, the early church, they went from home to home breaking a bread. This culture is who we are. Okay, I'm done. In a, in a culture that says that only, hear me on this, hear me on this, last statement today. In a culture that says only those that are in get a seat at the table, we're going to be those people that provide a seat for everyone. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. This is what you're going to do. I believe every person in this room has a way to respond today. Maybe your response today is, hey, I'm that person that doesn't have a seat at the table and I would like that free gift. Maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus before. And you've never accepted the forgiveness of your mistakes. You've never put your faith in Him. Or maybe you have at some point and you've walked away, but today you want to make a decision. You want to go, I may not fully understand this, but I want to put my faith in this God that provides a seat at the table for me. If that's you, in just a second here, I'm going to ask you to just head over to the prayer corner. There's going to be a team of people there. In fact, our prayer team can head on over there now. Um, and, and we're going to have people there ready and willing to pray with you, talk to you, and, and walk through this uh, decision with you. If you have a need to maybe sit and contemplate and go, God, how do I respond in this? Where, where have I, where have I begrudgingly served? Where do I need, where do I need to repent? Ask for forgiveness. Where, where, do, where have I held back in my, in my contributing? If you need to have that moment, you can have that moment. Then I want you to take action. And you can, again, head over to the prayer corner and get prayer for that. You can sing the next song that we're going to sing together. Or you can partake in communion in these tables here located in the front. Speaking of the table, the communion table, the only reason you and I even have a seat there is because of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us on the cross. His death, burial, and resurrection mean you and I have a seat at the table. So I want to encourage you to do that in remembrance of that sacrifice today. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're saying to all of us today. I pray, God, that your spirit would empower us, Lord, now to live this out. And I pray more importantly, God, that our lives would always bring you glory. Help us to live in such a way that we bring glory to you. Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com, or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.